Welcome everyone to the 1001 History Challenge. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and this is the podcast where we take a famous quote or phrase from history or pop culture and give you most of the story behind it, minus a name and detail or two. Then we provide the rest of the story and the person or event that inspired it at the end. It's fun, fast, and always interesting. If you're a history, movie, or music buff, you'll do pretty well in this. If not, you'll learn some neat things anyway. And like all our 1001 podcasts, we'll keep it family-friendly. That's our promise. Today's 1001 history challenge phrase is jumping the shark. We hear or see this phrase often, but not everyone can tell you how it first originated or what the phrase stands for. Jumping the shark or jump the shark is commonly known as the point in a TV show or film franchise when it seems to become totally ridiculous. This phrase really began with the TV situation comedy, which featured a bunch of high school kids growing up in the late 50s, early 60s era, and one of its stars. You know, the leather-jacketed Italian kid who had the cool motorcycle and always seemed a few steps ahead of the other kids in high school. Yeah, we already anticipated that many of you just tore into this one, so we'll save a few toothier questions for the end. Hope you like that shark analogy. First, here are some examples of TV shows that jumped the shark and what the telltale signals were that indicated to viewers that the scripts were going nowhere. When the popular show Will and Grace approached the end of its eight-year run, the show started bringing in celebrities by the boatload. Some names? Tim Curry, Andy Garcia, Madonna, Jennifer Lopez, Britney Spears, Sharon Stone, Demi Moore, and Seth Green, just to name a few. And you can say, well, that's great. But the real stars in the storyline in many viewers' opinions got lost in the star-studded haze. Not long after, the last bells were heard as that ship sank. Then there was the Cosby Show, when little Olivia was introduced, then was given full run of the storylines, robbing the cast and characters of their parts, and viewership dropped like a stone not long afterward. Of course, thousands of TV shows have come and gone. But for old TV fans, you know that Dallas ended with Bobby in the shower, that the Flintstones ended when Fred got an alien buddy, that great show Lost ended with writer fatigue in an underground bunker, and more recently, 24 ended when the action plot lines got so over the top that not even the most loyal fans could handle it. Seems like the James Bond movies are going that way as well. But the place where it all started was in the fifth year of Happy Days, the episode Hollywood Part 3, when the Fonz, played by Henry Winkler, was challenged to jump over a shark while water skiing. Now, the Fonz inspired confidence in all the twerps who walked in his shadow, and it was the little things, like when he knocked the side of the candy machine just right and the machine produced his afternoon snack, or when he gave dating tips to Richie and Potsy. These things we could all accept as possible. But when the Fonz jumped a killer shark on water skis, it not only went too far, signaling a downhill slide for the show, but it defined a phrase that became the standard in the industry for what is also known as the beginning of the end. Word has it that writer John Hine coined the term Jump the Shark with his pals back in the 80s, and he used to maintain a website called jumptheshark.com. It's not around anymore. Hine went to work on the Howard Stern show, and then the site just kind of lost track. When it was up, though, it maintained an ongoing list of series-killing moments. 
granted you could vote for every cause, and shows commonly had It Jump Shark on day one as an option. The website listed actor Ted McGinley as their patron saint, as he has the most television roles in which the series slowly died off after his first appearance, one of them, appropriately enough, being Happy Days. If you can't think of who McGinley is, he played Al Bundy's neighbor, who we'll name at the end, for 11 seasons and helped to make that show a success till the end. But his appearance is in the later phases of The Love Boat, Happy Days, Dynasty, and The John Larroquette Show have been laughingly attributed to his helping them jump the shark. Batmite even pointed that out when he used his powers to make McGinley replace Aquaman's voice actor in the series finale of Batman, The Brave and the Bold. And now, listeners, here's where we separate, if we can use this old phrase, the men from the boys. What was the name of Al Bundy's neighbor played by Ted McGinley? And the names of Al's wife and kids? We'll return with the wrap-up right after this message from our sponsors. And now we return to our show. Ted McGinley played Jefferson Darcy. Ed O'Neill played hapless shoe salesman and father Al Bundy. Peg Bundy, the leopard-skin-clad couch potato played by Katie Segal. Kelly Bundy, who never met a guy she didn't know real well and whose biggest accomplishment in life up to that time was Finding Waldo, was played by Christina Applegate. And perennially horny Bud, probably the most decent member of the bunch, was played by David Faustino. Like it or hate it, it was Fox's first primetime show and huge success for years. Thanks for joining us at the 1001 History Challenge. Are you up for the challenge? The 1001 History Challenge is a proud part of the 1001 Stories Podcast Network. Just search 1001 wherever great podcasts are found, and you're in for a ton of great stories. New shows at all five of our 1001 podcasts launch every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This is your host, John Hagedorn. We'll see you then. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do send us a review. Thank you.